not good at questions, but <laughs> it is good at coming up with patient cases that then you need faculty to help you tweak. What privacy concerns do you have related to generative AI tools like ChatGPT? Do you worry about the internet scraping that comes with Gen AI territory? Or are you searching for practical advice on how to effectively use generative AI for creating continuing education content for health professionals? These questions and more are the focus of today's episode of Right Medicine. My guest is medical writer and generative AI expert Nuria Nagrau, and we're talking about how AI models like ChatGPT and more are trained and why we should care about how they're trained. And Nuria shares practical advice on effectively using Gen AI for needs assessments and other types of CME and CPD content by paying attention to prompts, personas, and process. And we have a question from listener Natalie Turner about what are some good prompts to aid in the development of a needs assessment. Welcome to Write Medicine, where we explore best practices in creating continuing education content for health professionals. I'm Alex Housen, and I'm on a mission to share expert insights and field perspectives on topics like adult learning, content creation techniques, effective formats, and trends in healthcare that influence the type of content we create. Write Medicine is the premier podcast for CME, CPD professionals like you wherever you are in the content creation process. Join us. Before we jump into today's conversation, don't forget that when you subscribe to Write Medicine, you never have to miss an episode. And when you subscribe to the Write Medicine Insider, you'll get access to additional tips, strategies and resources to level up your approach to content creation. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and sign up for my newsletter via the link in the show notes. We're picking up today on where we left off from episode 82, when I asked Nuria about whether using generative AI as a thought partner and collaborator would adequately reflect the full richness of cultural, ethnic, and gendered text and communication. Another thing that I want to say, which is a positive thing for ChatGPT or these models, that they are trained on the whole of the internet. Now, the whole of the internet is, I think, 65% English and, uh, and very America and uh, uh, European-centric. And, and granted, given that, it is still trained on more perspectives than me as an individual that I as an individual have myself. So you can actually, mm. you can actually prompt ChatGPT to give you other perspectives. You can say like, what other perspectives are there about this? And it will give you perspectives that you didn't think about because mm-hmm. you are not in that thing. So it can actually make your writing less on a straight line, it can actually open other perspectives to you. And remember, like we were talking yesterday about Reddit and ChatGPT uh, read Reddit and other that type of thing, like uh, Tumblr yes. and things like that. 
Reddit is suing OpenAI because of that, right? So ChatGPT actually... Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, Reddit and there are two other companies that are the same type of thing that are suing ChatGPT because ChatGPT has actually a lot of knowledge of like back and forth conversation, very human conversations that maybe we don't know because we only talk to our peers and to the people near us. Mm -hmm. So ChatGPT can actually give you really good perspectives that you hadn't thought about. So mm. that is a plus on on the side of of making it less biased. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And I, I, your response really does kind of resonate, and it's a different way of of thinking about that homogeneity issue, which is something I kind of struggle with a little bit. But what you said also raises another issue, which is around privacy. And I didn't know about the Reddit case uh, suing ChatGPT, but presumably that is because ChatGPT is getting access to what are essentially, okay, they're in a public forum, but you have to register to be part of that public forum. So they are essentially private-ish conversations in Reddit that ChatGPT is reading. Is that I think it's more, it's more on the, the same point of uh, the artist's idea. It's that they oh, scraped okay. all this information mm-hmm. from from Reddit and from books. Mm-hmm. I think some publishers are also. It's it's more of the scraping. It's publishers more of the copyright are, yeah. point of view. It's like this is our information. We published it. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. So Reddit aren't really caring about the privacy issues either. They're concerned about the data they own. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. From what oh, I understand, I didn't read too much into yeah. it, but from what I understand, yeah. Yeah, no, that's 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 good context. So you've been talking a lot about, and I'm struck again, that the way in which you use this technology is very, very much depends on your skill and what you, your self-awareness about what you need to know and your process, being aware of what your process is for a given project or a collaboration. And how you can communicate that to ChatGPT. So I think this takes us to a second listener question around prompts. And of course, and you said at the beginning of our conversation, you know, everyone was talking about prompts. And now there's, you know, 101 different guides to prompt engineering and, you know, all those sorts of things. But Natalie Turner, who's director of grant development at Medscape, asks, what are some good prompts to add to aid in the development of a needs assessment, which is a very particular type of project in the field that we work in yes so my so i actually asked bard (laughs) this question just to see (laughs) what bard would say and one of the first things it said is like do not ask it to give you a full needs assessment break the needs assessment down to tasks and then go task by task and i was like yes that is that is the first thing that i will say is do not ask it to produce a whole needs assessment I have actually, not with ChatGPT, but there are these uh, models that you can, um, that are more complex. What was it called? Uh, God AI and things like that, that you can then oh. link to your key yeah. to the, to the open AI, to the ChatGPT API. So I've asked those models to try and write a, a needs assessment for me, and they also can't. So I, I don't think we're there yet, but. So generally with prompting, I would, the gold standard is give as much context 
to ChatGPT as you would give to a human if you were asking a human to do this task. Mm -hmm. So, and I would add to that is don't ask it to do a big task, ask it to do small tasks. All right. And then you assemble the final product. So you need to tell ChatGPT what it should act like. So ChatGPT is trained on the whole of the internet. You want to narrow its focus and then to a specific type of writer on the internet. And then you want to push it to the good writers of that specific type of writer. So you want it to be a medical writer. Then you want it to be a good medical writer. Now, if you have been on the internet as a medical writer and you've looked for examples for needs assessments, you have found that there aren't many openly accessible, mm-hmm. available examples of needs assessments. And what that tells you is that if you cannot find them, ChatGPT also cannot find them, and therefore they cannot write a good needs assessment. Okay? So, but you can tell it that it is an expert medical writer with, uh, or, or, yeah, an excellent medical writer with lots of experience in continuing education for healthcare professionals. It then knows what continuing education for all health professionals is. It knows all of the principles that have been published about you are very knowledgeable about adult education. Uh, you are very knowledgeable about the levels of learning and all of that. All right. So you, you, you tell ChatGPT what type of persona it is and the type of persona it is mm-hmm. like these experts that have been there for a long time and know all these principles. Okay. Then you, you, you need to be very detailed about the task that you're giving it so and here's where i'm going to pause okay so here here's the thing ChatGPT and even the others they that have access to the internet they they're not very good at them doing the research themselves so then what Mm -hmm. you can do is you can give it the relevant texts from different papers and say, summarize these, like, so you'd, you'd basically have to have like an outline of your needs assessment and mm-hmm. think about like what you would like to add to each section and then go find that information in papers and add it there. And then, so you'd give a paragraph some papers and maybe say, write me like, a, a, give me a, a, the main points from here. And then once it gives you the main points and you've checked and everything is correct and it didn't, then you can say, write a paragraph or you could write the paragraph yourself and then ask it, did I include everything that was important? So my answer is, I don't think it can write a needs assessment yet. This episode of Write Medicine is brought to you by Write CME Pro a membership-driven community that provides skills, scaffolding, and support for medical writers who want to create CME content with confidence. Write CME Pro gives you access to expert perspectives to help you build your CME writing skills, a portfolio accelerator to hold space so that you can create stunning samples to show your prospects, group coaching to help you build foundational and expert knowledge in CME, and more. Write CME Pro is a community for people like you who are ready to grow their CME writing niche or niche, if that's how you say it. See the show notes for more details. But what it can help with, so 
uh, Bing and Bard can help you find quotes from specific leaders, key opinion leaders, to mm. include in your NIST assessment. And uh, Bing and Bard can help you find the competitors to, if you're, if assuming you're working on a drug for that. Bing and Bard can help you summarize uh, the key points. Say, for example, a lot of needs assessments have paragraphs on uh, on uh, uh, inequities, so they can go and find those for you. And then you can use more tools. I haven't I haven't found them to be very good at giving me the relevant papers, but they are always improving. So you can use tools like Consensus and Cite to find some relevant papers for your literature review. Again, I, they are not very useful yet. I think me going to PubMed mm. is still much more useful, but you can use, as I said, like a PDF reader to quickly uh, help you read the, the study and figure out whether it's worth your time to go and read it. You can then, based on the information that you give it, you can see like a, what is a gap that you see here. So for example, mm. with with Claude AI, you can, I think, upload up to five PDFs. You can upload five PDFs and like based on these PDFs, what healthcare uh, gaps would you say exist? If you're looking for like a more knowledge or whatever, it might be practice-based gap, actually. Some mm -hmm. might give you a practice. So you can do that. You can, as I said, ask it for help and then coming up with like a gap statements, learning objective statements and all of that. You can ask it, given that you've written your NA now and it's perfect and you think it's really good to help you draft an agenda and it mm -hmm. drafts really good agendas that then you can go and, and make better, obviously, based on what type mm -hmm. of thing you're doing. You can ask it, don't, don't ask it for questions. It's not good at questions, but <laughs> it is good at coming up with patient cases that then you need faculty to help you tweak and uh, you might want to tweak as well titles for your activity to ask for suggestions on how to improve the needs assessment okay i think uh i've mm -hmm. I've, I've some of these ideas i've i've shared before so maybe i'm being repetitive <laughs> yeah no I, you know i think there's there's a lot in there in terms of I, and what i'm hearing here and this is my gloss and it might be too much of a gloss but you know again you need to know your process you need to know you know, good questions to ask. And you've kind of teased those out a little bit in response to Natalie's question, you know, asking very specific questions about different parts of the needs assessment process versus, you know, asking kind of broad general questions about, you know, develop a needs assessment itself. I know that there is, you know, there's a few people who are kind of trying that approach in the CME space and they've been sort of public about that. But and this leads me to my kind of next point, which is they are they are also kind of using that process as a starting point, particularly which I think can be particularly useful if you know the turnaround time is tight. Mm -hmm. If you are working in an area that perhaps you are less familiar with than you might be with other areas, and you you just want to kind of get in on the ground floor and get a sense of you know what's the landscape here and what I need to be thinking about in order to really kind of make this a watertight needs assessments. I mean, perfectly, personally, I haven't had, you know, I've, I've kind of experimented a little bit asking questions around clinical and performance practice gaps. I have not done that 
by also uploading accompanying PDFs. And so the return that I've gotten, and I haven't used this in, in content, I've just been kind of experimenting, but the return that I've gotten has always been just too generic and too too vague. And I think that you know, articulating practice gaps is one of the kind of key differentiators for a lot of providers in terms of developing their needs assessment. So that's that's definitely an area to not be generic mm-hmm. and vague. So, you know, I, I think you've given some good example there of, of prompts. And it's interesting what you say about, you know, again, we, we return to this collaboration piece and providing a lot of context so that, you know, generative AI knows where it needs to start from. And actually there was an interesting, and, and you've, you also talked about the persona aspect and a research team at Vanderbilt University just published a kind of categorization of different patterns. So including personas, but other sorts of prompt patterns that you can use. Mm -hmm. I'll include a link to that in the, in the show notes. So I think there's probably a lot for people to kind of start playing with there and figuring out whether, you know, using Gen AI in the context of a needs assessment is something that they want to explore. I have another question because you've, you've talked about different tools and using different tools and using scary terms like API. <laughs> and, and I will make sure that there is some information in the show notes to describe what that is and what people need to be thinking about. Thanks for listening. Next week is the final episode for 2023. I'll be sharing a roundup of the most insightful moments from season six, a short behind the scenes look at my process for selecting topics and guests, and a preview of next season, which will include trends that are likely to impact CME and CPD, as well as the skills and knowledge that we'll need as a community to stay ahead. Until then, stay curious, keep learning, and have yourself a restful, replenishing holiday season. See you next time.